Grace and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is Luke chapter 4. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had unrolled the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And these are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed in Christ, very blessed new year to all of you. Today marks the beginning of the Advent season, the new year of the Christian church. Today we once more begin the journey to Bethlehem and ultimately Golgotha and an empty tomb. The Advent season gets us started. It is about Jesus coming to us, to this world. Advent teaches us what to expect when Jesus comes to us and what not to expect. Let's start with what not to expect. Jesus, while called a king, is no king in the sense of the kings of this world. He has not come to set up a United States of Jesus. He has not come to have a Jesus union, nor a conglomeration of Jesus Soviets. The work of Jesus surpasses the goals and aspirations of the most dedicated capitalist or communist, Democrat or Republican or third party. He did not come to set up a moral order for a truly righteous country here on earth, nor did he come to affirm your lifestyle in whatever way you've chosen. Seven centuries before the Son of God became incarnate through the Virgin Mary, The prophet Isaiah summarized the work of God's chosen Messiah, the Christ. Jesus knows the words of Isaiah, and Jesus will not only declare but demonstrate that he is the one foretold by the prophet. Now, we should not pass over quickly the setting for this event in Jesus' life recorded for us in in Luke's Gospel. Jesus was in Nazareth, the small town in which he had been raised. He was speaking to his neighbors, those who had watched him grow up. Now he's in that local synagogue, the place of worship. He's handed that scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus deliberately unrolls the scroll to a specific passage. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. Those who are gathered there no doubt had heard Isaiah's words before. They know it's the promise of a Messiah, the servant of the Lord. 
But what these people had never heard before was how Jesus ended the reading of that text. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What does this mean? Well, simply put, scripture is about Jesus. To miss this point, to miss hearing Jesus throughout the Bible, is to miss the depth and riches of God's revelation to our sinful world. Jesus helps us here in Luke 4 to get this point. It is noteworthy that he does this right at the start of his public ministry. He will never shy away from this fundamental truth of the intent of the writings of the Old Testament and its subsequent fulfillment in his life as revealed in the New Testament. But not only is Jesus identified as the Messiah, the promised one, uh, here is where we also learn what he came to do and that the work of Christ is distinct from any political movement or social movement. These words quoted by Jesus from Isaiah are not to be co-opted by any short-sighted human agenda. God's view encompasses far more than our little plans for this world. Now, what is happening here? What are we told about Jesus? Well, first, we're told that he's anointed by the Spirit of God. The very meaning of the titles Messiah or Christ uh, are what this anointing means, right? Anointing comes, from this anointing comes everything else. This anointing directs us to the truth that we are dealing with far more than some uh, simple reduction of the problems of the world. This is about the spiritual struggle of all people, our bondage to sin, death, devil, and all the consequences of those in our lives. So listen to what Jesus came to do. Preach the gospel to the poor. Not a financial poverty, but those who are poor in spirit, destitute, disconnected from God. The good news is that what disconnects us Sin is forgiven in Jesus Christ, bringing about our reunion with God through faith in Jesus. Heal the brokenhearted. Again, not only an emotional status, but the effects of shame and guilt due to sin, a deep wounding that must be addressed by God's own healing. Our wounds and scars are deep as we experience what sin does to us and to our loved ones. And Jesus takes that very brokenheartedness to the cross and shows his own heart for you and me, a heart full of compassion that will suffer all to save. To proclaim liberty to the captives, captured by death and devil, we must be freed. Jesus provides that freedom by taking our chains. The resurrection of Jesus breaks those bonds and proclaims that the it is finished of Good Friday is absolute. If Christ sets you free, you will be free indeed. Recovery of sight to the blind. Blindness to our true state, separated from our creator. The great episode in John 9 provides a foundation for understanding just what is at stake here. Jesus had healed a blind man, and that man was subsequently excommunicated from the synagogue. And Jesus asked that healed man, do you believe in the Son of God? 
He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. That is what it means to see. Then to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There are many types of oppression in this world. It comes with being part of the human race. We are oppressed by others. We oppress others. There is no innocence, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Old Testament has various special times in the calendar of the people of Israel. The year of Jubilee was a very special year. Every 50th year, the year after seven sevens of years, in which freedom was proclaimed uh, from slavery, from debt, and even the land was freed from growing crops that year. The Messiah proclaims that his coming to the world is the Jubilee for all. The work of Jesus is to free from oppression for eternity. Once more, the work of the Messiah exceeds the schemes and dreams of of humans. His liberty does not stop at your graveside, as does every human attempt at liberty. The work of the Messiah does not include coercion by force of arms nor violence. Rather, the work is one of proclamation. He speaks, he preaches, He brings his word of grace and mercy to the nations. But in an ironic twist, the very words of freedom and peace spoken by Jesus the Messiah are met with violence by the world. In fact, just after Jesus here has read the prophet Isaiah, we're told that the people of Nazareth tried to kill him. It was not yet his time, so there was no death that day. Yet it was coming, And Jesus knew that too. That was the way prepared for him to walk. That is the path his advent, his coming, uh, would take. There would be no detour for Jesus on that journey. He is the Lamb of God who came to take the sin of the world away. The Lamb would be sacrificed for the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, the oppressed. For you and me, For all people of all colors, of all languages, of all ethnicities, or any other way we find to divide ourselves. Jesus covers it all. God grant us eyes and ears open to this blessed work for us of our Messiah, Jesus, who came for all the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.